Patience <clears throat> follows uh, 2 Corinthians. We just finished up 2 Corinthians. Excited about uh, starting a new book. In fact, Galatians, uh, a long time ago, was the first book I ever taught. Galatians was uh, uh, the, the place where we began in youth ministry like a long time ago. Kajillion. Kajillion years ago. So as we, as we begin, as we take a look at Galatians, check it out. Galatians is probably the first epistle Paul ever wrote. It's, uh, it's probably his beginning point, his, his, uh, the place where he, he launches off from in his letter writing. Ultimately, he's going to write 13 epistles, 13 of 27 New Testament books penned by Paul. So he definitely has a, an, an important part, a role to play in our understanding of the new covenant in Christ Jesus. That new creation, how we become a new creation created in Christ Jesus. That when we give our life to Him, Paul's going to focus on a certain phrase. That phrase is going to be, uh, to be found in Christ, in Him. 169 times in Pauline's epistles, he's going to focus on what it means to be in Christ. And that really is the bottom line for us, because that's where salvation occurs. Salvation occurs when we abide in Christ, when we are in Christ Jesus. And there are groups of people that come up with all these ideas, all these plans, that, that this, if you do this, then you're in Christ Jesus. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you're in Christ Jesus. It's that simple. And Paul's emphasis in the book of Galatians is on grace, understanding grace. It's unmerited, undeserved, unsought favor of God. That God did everything so that we would have a relationship with him. All that's left for us is to choose to receive that relationship. You know, it's, it's like we have a, a person who, who loves us and wants to, to be our friend, wants to have a relationship with us, but we are the ones in control of whether or not that relationship occurs. We can hold out our hand, shake our head, nope, 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 I, I don't want this, I want something else, something different. And the letter to the Galatians is all about that. It's all about people trying to find some other way to be found in Christ. Like, oh yeah, Jesus, and that's, that's good, and you've got to believe, yeah, that's great, and, and, and you'll say the prayer, and you'll do the thing, but then you need to. But there is no then you need to. That's all we need. There was a, a time early in the Jesus movement that one of the, one of the things that was said about the people who were getting saved and coming to Jesus was, all they have is Jesus. Okay. Well, I hope people would say that about me. What else do I need? Well, they don't have all this understanding. They don't, they're not fluent in the Greek and the Hebrew. Or they don't... What? None of that has anything to do with the relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the main thing. It's the only thing that really matters. Have I surrendered myself to Him? Have I asked Him to be the Lord and Savior of my life? Do I believe in my heart? He died for my sins and rose again on the third day. Then I'm in Christ. Now, John would say, now if you are called by His name, if you call yourself Christian, then you ought also to walk as He walked. But that's a response to what Jesus has already accomplished coming into our lives. It's a response. Sometimes we get that out of order. We think we should be walking as Jesus walked before Jesus is in us. Well, that doesn't work. We must have that relationship with Him. And upon that relationship with Him, then He begins to work in our lives because we become a new creation. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm thankful I'm not what I used to be. And the good news is, not only am I not what I used to be, but I'm not going to stay the way I am right now. Because there is a constant work being accomplished in your life and my life as Jesus works through our life. He makes us new. I'm not what I'm going to be, but I'm not what I was. That is what occurs when Jesus Christ is in us. And that's really going to be a focal point for Paul 
as we go through the book of Galatians. He begins, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Most of the time, you can tell what kind of letter Paul's letter is going to be. If Paul's letter starts with Paul, a bondservant of, of Jesus Christ, then it means the relationship with the people whom he's writing to is a good relationship and, and this is going to be a, a pretty good letter. If it starts Paul, an apostle, it means that there are people already in that area that have begun to say, yeah, yeah, Paul brought you the gospel, but you need the gospel and something else. So when that's the case, Paul in his letters begins... Paul, an apostle, who did God send to the Gentiles to bring everything that was necessary for their relationship with God? He sent Paul. In fact, when Paul was on the road to Damascus, he's going to talk about it today, and when he's on the road to Damascus, was Paul looking for a new revelation of God? No. What was he looking for? Christians. What was he going to do with them? Kill them. Is that the kind of person who usually has a a new revelation? No. He was a man, he's going to tell us, that was called from the womb. That God had a plan for his life. And so God himself met Paul on the Damascus road. As Paul in his heart is going to destroy Christians. Not looking for a new revelation. And all of a sudden he comes face to face with God. How many of you know when you come face to face with God, you're never the same? You're never the same. You see God face to face. You begin to have a relationship with him. You will not be the same. If you're the same today as you were before you knew Jesus Christ, then you have not come to a face to face relationship with him. We can convince ourselves of anything, right? I guarantee if I go out in the street and do a poll, how many people in the United States are Christians, most of them would say, yeah, we're Christian. I live in America. That's not a relationship with Jesus Christ, is it? And being a Christian isn't a race. It's a creed. It's a life that we live, that we've surrendered our life to his. Well, Paul, he, gets, he sees the Lord. His life is radically changed. And then he's blinded. He can't go where he was going to go. So other people have to lead him, right? So the people who were with him that were going to go kill Christians, they lead him by the hand. They stop at a street called Straight. Anybody ever been on a crooked road with God before? All windy, the, the long and winding road? God's road's not long and winding. His road's always straight. Our roads are long and winding. Here Paul is on a road straight. And then God goes to Ananias. And he says, Ananias, Ananias, i got a job for you. And Ananias is stoked. Aren't we stoked when God tells us he's got a job for us? Wow, Lord, really? You're going to use me? Yeah, yeah, Ananias, I'm sending you to this fellow. Maybe you heard of him. His name is Osama bin Laden. (laughs) Isn't that pretty much the same thing? I think we lose... I think we lose focus when we think of, oh, Paul, you know, he was a pretty holy guy. He was, he was pretty holy. And, and, and so going to Paul, well, that was okay. No, that guy was killing Christians everywhere he found them. And so God comes to Ananias and says, you go and, you, and you, you're going to help him see. I don't know, God, I think he's better blind. <laughs> no, 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 you're going to go. Ananias, you're going to do what I've told you to do. So Ananias went, was, was faithful to God. And he went to, to Saul's place, and Saul had a vision that, that Ananias was coming. And, and when Ananias healed him, now listen, Saul is already really Paul's. He's already saved. How's he already saved? The, the, the light shone down upon him, the Shekinah glory of God. Saul's on the ground, he's blind, and the light says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And what did he respond? Lord, who are you? He, he knew this was God speaking to him. But he, he was not yet understanding. He thought he was doing God's work. Now he finds out he's not. And then he says, it is, it is I, Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Who, by the way, was Paul killing? Christians, and Christians are the body of 
Christ. So when a Christian is persecuted, Christ is persecuted. He says, you're persecuting me. And so, and so Saul says, what must I do? Right there. That's surrender, man. Well, you know, when I look at the, the, the life of Saul, he did not pray the sinner's prayer. According to Billy Graham's uh, a little handout that he gives, I read the back, and I don't see that anywhere in Paul's life. Yeah. Okay. What, is it? what did the Bible say? Confess with your mouth and believe where? In your heart, and you will be saved. Didn't say you had to pray what Billy Graham says to pray. Is that bad? Jackie, I prayed that. Am I, am I not saved now? No. That's not what I'm saying. You've got to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. So here we see that happening with Paul. And then, when Ananias comes to Paul, he tells Paul what his job is. The Lord said to Ananias, you're going to tell him, I am sending him to the Gentiles. He's going to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. The good news. Not the good news minus some other things that someone's going to bring later. The good news that all that is necessary for mankind to have a relationship with God, Paul is going to bring that. He is my chosen vessel. That's what God said. Acts chapter 9. My chosen vessel to the Gentiles, to kings, and to Israel. My chosen vessel. I called him. In the beginning of Acts, we see the, the 12 disciples gathered together, the 11 disciples, choosing a 12th. That's okay. Sometimes man chooses who he wants. But who really chose the 12th? God did. He said, this is the one. I'm sending him. The next thing he said is, I'm going to show him all the things he is going to suffer for my name's sake. And Paul was faithful to that. Prior to that time, he's known as Saul, which means exalted. Later on in his ministry, he changed his name from exalted to Paul, which means little one. Little one. He realized, I'm not the most important thing in the world. God is. So when he writes this letter, he begins, hey, I'm the guy that God sent. Now, every time Paul would come somewhere, he would teach the truth. And we know this happens. Don't we know this happens? Every time the truth is shared, someone somewhere is ready to step right in and pervert it. To say, yeah, well, that's all good. But, you know, that's, he wasn't one of the 12 that walked with Jesus, really, you know. And, and how do we really know Paul was really called? So here's what else you need. Here's what other things are necessary. Paul got frustrated about that stuff. Because you don't need anything else. You just need Jesus. You don't need another book. You don't need another magazine. You don't need to hear from another prophet. You don't need to... What does, what does the Bible tell us in the, in the book of Hebrews? How does it begin? Christ, who at various times and in various places has spoken to us through the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by the way, that word spoken in the Greek means finished speaking. Through whom? His Son, Jesus Christ. We have everything we need already. And so that's what Paul is going to emphasize. He's going to say, listen guys, an apostle. Did man choose Paul? I just told you the story. Who chose Paul? God chose him. God said, this is my guy. He's going to go. And not just God, any God, whatever God they want to put in. He, he says, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. You want to look at it like this. Galatia is not a city. It's a county. It's as though he's saying, listen, I'm writing to all the churches in Twin Falls County or Gooding County or, or Jerome County. Whatever the county might be, he's writing to all the churches because there's something going on in that area. People are, are starting to be deceived, pulled away from what God's trying to do. And then he gives his typical greeting. Look, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. So we talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you want to know peace with God, first you must understand God's grace. If you don't understand God's grace, you're not going to have peace. 
that God's grace is his unmerited, undeserved, unsought for favor. That God did for me before I ever knew I needed anything. He did it. And understanding that there was nothing special in me, one way or the other, that led God to me or that would drive God away from me. That it's all within Him. Free gift. Reached out to whosoever will. Right? John 3.16, For God so loved the word, the world that whosoever believes in Him. Right? Now what it says? Whosoever would receive. Whosoever would hear Believe, confess with the mouth, believe in his heart, then he belongs to him. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he gives us the shortest synopsis of the gospel in the Bible. Here it is. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. There was a lot of time I used to say, I want to know what the gospel is. I mean, what the gospel is. Give me, give me just point blank. Okay, point blank. Here's the gospel. The gospel is about a person who paid a price for a purpose. And here we have it laid out for us. Who was the person? Jesus Christ. He paid a price. What price did he pay? He gave himself for our sins. And what was the purpose? That he might deliver us from this present evil age. According to the will of God the Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's a gospel. The good news. Do you see anything in there about, but first you have to, and they got to make sure. And by the way, no, none of that stuff's there because that's not good news. That would be bad news. Good news is, here's what you are receiving. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul expounds on this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he lays out straightforward, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lays out for us the tie into the scriptures and, and, and everything uh, that God is requiring and that he desires of us in return. It's pretty simple. That you believe. Doesn't say anything here about where you're baptized. Doesn't say anything here about who baptized you. It doesn't say anything here about what church you attend. It just says what you need to have a relationship with God is belief and confession. This is it. Jesus Christ who gave himself as what? A substitute for our sin. Folks, our sin separates us from God. I don't care what you want to compare yourself to. You can say, well, I'm not like Jeffrey Dahmer. By the way, does anybody know who Jeffrey Dahmer is? I have to ask that now because I described Paul for like a whole two months as Marty Feldman. and Nobody knows who he is. How many people don't know who Marty Feldman is? Man, breaking my heart, guys. Breaking my heart. I am feeling old. Marty Feldman was this dude on, uh, in the movies a long time ago who had big old bug eyes, and one of them pointed the wrong way. Does that help? No. Well, I'll get a picture for him one day and put him up. <clears throat> and you can say, that's what Paul looked like. <laughs> Nonetheless, Jeffrey Dahmer, he's a guy who's a, he was a serial killer who ate the people he killed. And people look at him and say, well, I'm not like him. I mean, I don't do all those things. Yeah, but... He can't touch the stars, and neither can you. Well, I'm better than him. Great. Super. You'll get a less hot place in hell. What do you want? <laughs> there, is, there is no bypassing the reality. Listen, Adam and Eve, we, we see Adam created in the image of God, God making Eve from Adam, to, to, to complete him, their relationship of marriage that God ushers in. We see the fall of Adam. Adam bombs. You guys probably heard that before, huh? That's an old joke, by the way. Adam bombs. He blows it. He falls in sin. And what happens? Everyone from that point forward in Genesis is born in Adam's image. What was that image? Sin nature. 
Can you come to God in sin? No. How was it that Adam was able to to speak with God? Well, God taught him about sacrifices. When did he teach him about a sacrifice? Remember, he was naked and he tried to cover himself with leaves. He he tried to to make a covering for himself. But we can't cover ourselves. So who covered him? God did. With what? The skin of an animal. The Bible doesn't tell us what kind of animal, does it? Well, I bet you it was a lamb. And then, little by little, God revealed his will to Adam, to his children, to his children's children. He taught them the law. He taught them the requirements that he had and that there had to be a blood sacrifice. Something had to pay the price for their sin. Was it God just randomly trying to build a plan in his mind? No, the Bible says that Christ was crucified before the foundation of the world. Before he breathed life into man, God already decided he would die for man. And so the day came at just the right time when the news could be spread to everyone. Jesus Christ was born, raised, born to die, live a sinless life, and became our, what the Bible calls, propitiation, our substitute sacrifice. He became sin. God treated Jesus the way we should have been treated so that we could be treated the way Jesus should. He who knew no sin became all the sin on the earth so that we could become the righteousness of God. That's the substitute. He, paid, he, he built the bridge. Only one bridge. Jesus said one way, one truth, one life found in him. The way, the truth, the life. Jesus Christ. So he, he, he's that bridge builder. He is the one who substitutes himself for our sin. That's what he said. He gave himself for our sin that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Listen, that concept deliverance, it, it doesn't mean to be delivered out of, through. The concept is to be delivered from the power of the evil age. We still live in the world, don't we? We're still here. Bad things still happen, right? But the Bible says, and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the enemy of our souls, Satan, the God of this age, whom Adam lost the title deed to the planet Earth to when he fell in sin, at that moment, Satan took control. He's been in control of this world ever since. Remember when Jesus came, he was being tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. Satan came to him and said, hey, you're hungry, Jesus, turn a rock into bread. You guys remember that story? Jesus said, man, should not live by bread alone. He answered him with the word of God. Later on, Satan caused to pass before him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, if you'll bow down to me, I'll give them all to you. Did Jesus say, they're not yours to give? He didn't say that, did he? They're in his hands right now. This what, that's the beauty of Revelation, guys. We start studying Revelation. You see the title deed to the planet Earth, and you see Jesus Christ taking it and saying, I paid to buy it back. The Scripture said, the soul that sins shall die. And Satan laughed. Ah, oh, now man must die, and I'll kill him everywhere I can find him. I'll destroy him. I'll lead him on the path of destruction. But God became the sacrifice. So that man could step out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light and his love. The gospel. Good news. What do I got to do all that? Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. What else? That's it. There is nothing else. That's what Jesus Christ has done to deliver us from the present evil age. In verse 6 he says, now listen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon. Who are they turning away from? They're turning away from a person, right? I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. Who called them? Jesus did. He called. He sent out the call. All have been called. The Bible says few are chosen. 
Well, what, what does that mean? All have been called, but few are chosen. Just what it says right here. You're turning away from him who called. Not everybody answers the door when you knock. Not everybody answers the phone when you call, do they? No. If you guys be honest, the phone rings, you pick it up, and you look at the number. And you go, no. I am not talking to them right now. And you hit the thing, it goes to voicemail. Huh. It's no different. God has called. Whosoever will can come. But not everybody answers. Some people look at the number and say, no. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. He says to the Galatians, why are you turning away from a person, Jesus Christ, turning away from a person to a different gospel? Turning away from Jesus... What are they turning to? A false gospel. Different. What's different about it? I don't know. They added something. They changed something. They said, yeah, that's all good, but listen, you need a new testament. This is good, and this is fine for this much, but you need something more. You need something added. You need something different. You need something special. You need to, to act this way. You need to go to this church. you got to sign the membership role. you got to be baptized by these elders in this place. All these things have to happen for you to be saved. Where does it say that? In the Word of God. Nowhere. Hey, Satan hasn't changed his plan. He's doing the same things he was doing in Galatia. Trying to add stuff. Trying to make things... Take the place of Jesus Christ in someone's life. What's the one thing you'll notice about all the cults? Oh, they'll all say, oh yeah, Jesus. Yeah, we believe in Jesus. But the, you got to, and this, and the Bible says distinctly, perfectly clear that that is a different gospel. It is false. And it will lead you to destruction because that's what Satan does. Isn't that what Satan does? He leads us to destruction. He deceives the masses. He'll lie to them to take them somewhere else. In verse 7 he says, This gospel, which is not another, that word another, there's, there's two different words in the, in the Greek for, for another. One is another of the same kind. One is another totally different. That's what this word is. It's a totally different gospel. It's not the same as what Paul said, but that's what they'll sell you. They'll come to your door and they'll say, no, no, we're Christians just like you. We believe in Jesus Christ, but you have to do all this other stuff. Show me. Oh, no. No, sorry, brother. You need to close that one and take this one. You need to read this book. You need to read this magazine. Why? Because it's not in here. They have to make something else say it. It's false. A different gospel. And what does this different gospel do? By it, by there, or but there are some who trouble you. The first thing that we see in the beginning, it's a different gospel. It's illegitimate. It's not right. Second, it brings trouble. That trouble is literally the word for seasick. Make your stomach all upset. You get all agitated. Oh, why? Because now your salvation depends on your performance. Really? Were you on the cross? Who was on the cross? Jesus was. Our salvation depends on a person, not my performance. My performance is a response to the, what the person did for me. Remember, my life will be different. Was Paul the same Paul after he met Jesus? No. Can I be the same person after I meet Jesus? No. Do I have to have a long list of rules and regulations on what that means? No. I don't need it. I need him. I need a person. But he says some people are going to trouble you, make you seasick. They're going to come tell you, well, you got to do this, got to do that, got to do this, got to add this, got to this and that and the other and this thing and that thing. And it's just a bunch of hogwash. It's garbage. It's Satan's infiltration to deceive to take people out of the truth and lead them in a path of deception. Look what he says. And they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They distort it. 
They, they all do something with Jesus. They all do something with They can't leave him alone. He's the brother of Lucifer. No, the Bible says he's the son of God. Oh, yeah, but Lucifer is the son of God, too. Uh, no. The Bible says Lucifer is an angel. He's an angel, and Jesus is the son of God. He is God incarnate. He is the God who we see. What does that mean? No man can see God at any time. He is invisible. He's spirit. Who reveals God to us? His son, Jesus Christ. But I, wanna, I don't understand the whole Trinity thing. Great, you're in good company. We don't, do, we ha- do you have to understand it? We've been over this before, right? I'm going to go get in my truck and turn the key, and I don't un- necessarily understand why everything starts and it runs, and what happens when I put it in drive and then it goes. I just know I do that and I can go. What do I mean? I just know that the Bible teaches that there is a Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls all three God. They say they are all one. The word used for one is the word echad, the same exact word used for a husband and wife. That they are one. And then it says, let's move on. So, we either accept, believe, we can come up with all kinds of ideas of how to explain it, but listen, the Bible teaches it's there. It's there. But what do they do? They'll mess with Jesus. Who's Jesus? He's an angel. He's a brother of Satan. He's a good man. He's a good teacher. He's a good moral guy. But he was never the Son of God. He never said he was the Son of God. He never did all these things. Guys, the Word of God is all we need. It lays out for us truth. You follow the Word of God and you will discover Jesus Christ did say he was God. He said, I and the Father are one. And the only people who misunderstand that are Jehovah Witnesses today. Because the Jews picked up stones to stone him. And the scripture says why they stoned him. Because you, being a man, are saying you are God. That's pretty simple. Jesus said he was God. The point is, you either accept it, believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth, and you're in Christ. If you don't, you're not. They pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. They pervert the good news of who Jesus is. That he's our substitute sacrifice. Yeah, Jesus did good things for you, but now you have to live in sinless perfection. And you can attain sinless perfection by following this list of do's and don'ts. And you can buy the book that tells you the do's and don'ts for just $19.95. That's not what we need. What What we need, we have. Listen to what he says, guys. Listen, this is important. But even if we... Or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Just in case we didn't understand it, he's going to repeat it in verse 9. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have or what you have received, let him be accursed. If anyone teaches any other thing, get away but they're good people i know a lot of good sinners they're still sinners they can be good people and they can be sincere but if they don't have the truth it doesn't matter how much i believe that if i go out to highway 30 and turn left and i will it in my heart that I am going to arrive in Hawaii in just a couple of days. I just got to keep going and never stop. Is that going to get me to Hawaii? If I'm really sincere. No, you would say I'm a knucklehead. That's the dumbest thing you ever heard in your life. That's not How can that possibly work? It can't. Why? Because it's not true. It's not true. The truth Jesus said, is me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way. No other way. If anyone brings any other gospel, breaks my heart, guys, for people who are, are deceived and that are, are, are sincere and they're lost and they, they won't even let me talk to them. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to argue about it. Why? This is the most important thing in your life, a decision about... Who holds your life in their hands? An organization or Jesus Christ? 
or what someone else says about it. It's the most important thing. I'll tell you a great story that illustrates the point. While you're holding your finger here, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 13. We'll check this guy out. 1 Kings, yes, it's in the Old Testament. It's right before 2 Kings. Chapter 13 is right after chapter 12. I hope that helps. The good news is if you're in the Old Testament and you're seeing first and seconds, you're in the neighborhood. You're going to come up with it soon. First Kings chapter 13, sincerity and what that has to do with anything. Let's take a look. And <clears throat> it goes like this. Behold, a man of God went to Judah, to Bethel, to Bethel, which means house of God, by the word of the Lord. And Jeroboam stood by an altar to burn incense. And he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord. And he said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a child, Josiah by name, will be born to the house of David. And on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you. And men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign that same day saying, This is a sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar will split apart and ashes on it will be poured out. Now Jeroboam's a king and he's doing stuff he shouldn't do. Worshiping false gods. And he's at the altar of a false god. When the prophet of God comes. The Bible doesn't tell us who he is. And the prophet names a guy who's not born yet. Josiah. Who will be king in Israel. And he says when Josiah is king. He's going to sacrifice all you false prophets on this altar. He's going to clean all this stuff up. And a sign that this is really going to happen is. That altar is going to split apart. And the ashes are going to spill out. Now, Jeroboam, the king, he doesn't appreciate the word of the prophet. Shocking, isn't it? And so Jeroboam, he's got something to say. It says, so it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar in Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar and said, arrest him. Then his hand, which he stretched out toward him, withered so that he could not pull it back. He sticks out his hand and his hand rots. It's a little freaky, isn't it? Arrest him. What just happened? And I can't move my hand. Now my hand is just sticking out here. Flesh withered, rotting on my hand. I don't know, maybe I'm doing something wrong? Jeroboam wasn't the brightest guy. And the altar was split apart and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign of the man of God that he had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said to the man of God, Please do me a favor. Do the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. So King Jeroboam, he's, he's going to sacrifice something on the altar. A prophet comes with the truth, the word of God. He shares the word of God. Jeroboam's angry about the word of God. His hand withers. And then the prophet prays for him. He gets his hand back. And the altar splits in two, the sign God said. And we know Josiah came and he turned the country around. But that's not the end of the story. So the scripture goes on to tell us. The king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of God, saying, You will not eat bread nor drink water nor return by the same way you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. He came to the house of God, but God had already told this prophet what? You don't stay, don't eat, don't drink, and come home a different way. Pretty straightforward, right? Pretty straightforward. Good prophet, man. He's doing good work. He's doing God's work. It's pretty cool. Verse 11. Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him of the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. And they also told the father the words which he had spoken to the king. So their father said to them, which way did he go? And his four sons had seen the way that the man of God went, who came from Judah. 
And he said to his son, saddle a donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey and he rode on it and, af- and, and went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. And he said, well, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread or drink water there, nor return by the way that you came. And so he said to him, well, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord and said, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. Well, just a little thing, right? God said, come home a different way. Don't stop. Don't hesitate. Just, just come home. But this guy came to him and said, well, I am a prophet. Was he a prophet? The Bible says he was a prophet. And the angel of the Lord came to me. Did an angel of the Lord come to him? No. Was he lying? Yes. Did it cost anything? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, but he is a sincere guy. He just wants to hang out with the dude. I mean, what's the big deal? The big deal is it's in opposition to what God's Word teaches. This is a gospel. This is a relationship you can have with God. Don't mess with it. Don't mix it. Don't twist it. Don't distort it. Don't pervert it. Follow the truth. Come home. That's God's ultimate goal for us, isn't it? Not that we have a big fancy house, but that we come home. Where's home? His presence. That we're with Him for eternity. Because the alternative isn't so good, is it? So what happens? So they went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. And it happened as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. The prophet who lied. Now God's really speaking to him. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah and said, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back and ate bread and drank water in the place of which the Lord said to you, Eat no bread, drink no water, your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. Because you listen to my lie, you're going to die. he was sincere he was sincerely wrong sincerity has nothing to do with truth we're to obey the truth apply the truth walk in the truth does a lie affect someone yeah is there such a thing as a good lie no I don't care what your wife says (laughs) there is no such thing as a good lie no such thing. Bible says speak the truth in love. Love is our motivation. If love is our motivation, whatever we share is okay. We don't hide behind the enemy's lies who say, oh, a lie is okay. It's just a little lie. It's just a little white lie. What is a little white lie? It kills, man. It destroys. What did this guy's lie do? It killed a man of God. It destroyed everything he would ever be. Because he believed a lie from a man who said he was a prophet and heard from an angel. And it cost him his life. So it was after he ate bread and after he drank that he saddled the donkey for him. And the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he had gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his corpse was thrown on the road and the donkey stood by it and the lion also stood by the corpse. He died. Eaten by a lion. God knew the lion was going to be there. Maybe that's why he said, don't stop. Come home. Don't stop. But, this other guy lied to him. Told him a falsehood. Led him away from the truth of what God had already told him. What was already established as God's word in his life, wasn't it? He had heard from God what to do. Always be wary of someone who comes to you and says, I need to tell you God's will for your life. Eh. No. 
if you can hear from God, so can I. God can tell me God's will for my life. And I'll know whether or not you're a prophet based on what you tell me. If it happens, then maybe you're a prophet. If it doesn't, you're not. And if you're leading me away from God's word, it's false. So what did the old prophet do? The old prophet, he went and he, he gathered up that young man while a lion stood on one side and a donkey on the other. Neither one of them touched him. The lion didn't eat the, the, the kid. He just killed him. And he sat there. The old prophet gathered him up and buried him in his tomb. Gave him his place. And the old man learned a, a valuable lesson about lying about what the, what the word says, what God said. It costs people's life. It robs them. So Paul said back in Galatians, As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel than what you have received, let him be a curse, anathema, sent to the eternal fires of hell. That's what it means. It's the strongest curse that can be uttered in the word of God. Then he goes on, listen. For do I now persuade men or God? Am I in this thing just to make man happy? Do I just want to tell him things that are going to make him feel good and that everything's okay? And I don't want, to, I don't want this guy at my door to feel bad that he's, he's telling people a lie. So, so I'm, I don't want to get into it with him. Am I here to persuade men or God? Am I living my life to be acceptable to God or be acceptable to men? The Bible says if you're a man pleaser, you're never going to please anyone. And that it is impossible to please God except by faith. For first you must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We are to be those who seek the honor of God. I used to worry about what other people thought. Now I just want to worry about what God thinks. What does God think? What does God think of me if I'm not willing to stand up and be counted his disciple? How does that affect the one who gave everything for me? How does it affect the one who wore my sin? Yeah, you know, that one that the guys sitting next to you don't even know about, but God does. The one that Jesus became so that you could have a relationship with him. Do I now persuade men? Am I, am I trying to make man happy? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. You guys remember what a doulos is, a bondservant? A bondservant was someone who loved his master so much that he would present himself to him, not as a part-time employee, but as a full-time slave forever how would he do it well he would go into the door of his house and the master would come out with a with a punch uh, an awl and he would lay his ear on the doorpost on the jam and the master would put the awl there in the center of his earlobe and grab a hammer and punch it through and the blood from his ear would run down that doorpost yeah, that same doorpost where the blood of Jesus Christ was applied. And then they put a hoop earring in his ear that signified he was a slave for life. And they called him a bondservant. Paul said, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I'm a slave by choice. I give myself to him. I don't give myself to man. I don't give myself to organizations. I give myself to Jesus Christ. I seek to honor and glorify him. I want to walk where he calls me to walk. I want to do what he calls me to do. And I will hold the word that he has given me to be absolute truth. Period. And anybody who says different should be accursed because he's trying to lead you where, to the point where you would walk away from the man, Jesus Christ, and into an organization of do's and don'ts and regulations and other things added to not just Jesus, 
something else. A different gospel, a distortion, a perversion of what God came to do. That's what we have in the Word of God. Paul said, I'm not part-time. I'm full-time. I'm all the time. I'm everywhere, wherever I go, whatever I do. I am about Jesus Christ. I want my colors clear. We had uh, Operation Christmas Child on Saturday. I had a lot of bikers come riding in. <sighs> was a sad day. <laughs> Fortunately, nobody had big old ape hangers like I used to have. So, so they, they all come in. But you know what they all had with them? Colors. Or you know the vests that they wear? And on the, the things on the back of the vest, that's their colors. It, it states who they are. And all the guys who came, the, the, I think they were from the Brotherhood of Christ, I, I think was at least one of the clubs, uh, motorcycle ministry clubs, both of them. Their colors were pretty clear. Everybody that went by, this is who I am. I am about Jesus Christ. Are your colors so clear? Today they're pretty clear. We're all together. About tomorrow. About Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday, the people who come visit you, your neighbors, the friends that call you, the people you have a relationship with, do they know who you are? Do they know your colors? Because in those clubs, if you're ashamed of your colors and you don't want to wear your colors, one of the things you do when, you, when you're part of a, a motorcycle club or a motorcycle ministry is you wear those colors anytime you're on that bike. I am not ashamed Sometimes we roll up our colors and we don't want anybody to know. We don't want anybody to know who we are and what we're about. If we find ourselves in that place, guys, it's a, it's a, it's a clear sign that we, we need to have that face-to-face. We need to have that face-to-face with Jesus Christ like Paul did. Did Paul need a list of regulations to change his life? He killed Christians to making Christians. That's a dramatic change. How about us in our lives? What we were cannot be who we are after Christ. It's impossible. If it is, something's missing. It's not there. The Bible says, do not deceive yourselves. Don't be sincere. No. No. Know that you're part. Of the fellowship of the unashamed. I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back. Let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My presence makes sense. My future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, chintzy giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, top, Recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by presence, learn by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven. The road is narrow, my way is rough, and my companions are few, but my guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, diluted, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, back up, let up, or shut up. Until I preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up, and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until he returns. Give until I drop. 
Preach until all know and work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. Amen? Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we do thank you for the opportunity to study your word. God, as we begin to open this book of, of Galatians and we realize that Paul begins by sharing with us his story of how God gave unto him the gospel of grace and that that's the only gospel that we need. But we need to be submitted. We need to be totally given to him, a bondservant. I need to be your slave, God. I need to come to the one who gave everything for me and lay aside everything I think I know and trust that he knows better. He knows more. He will meet my need. God, I know you want to pour out your spirit upon this place, this land, this nation, this town, this region. That you want to do a revival that we can't even imagine. We can't even begin to fathom it. But God, you need people whose colors are clear. You need people who are straight up real. No make-believers. Just real believers. Not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, not obstinate for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I need to be surrendered to you. I need to be guided by you. I need to speak with your voice. I need to say what you want me to say when you want me to say it. And if you're not calling me to say it, I need to be quiet. How will I know? I've got to be as close to you as I can be. I've got to have Christ in me. The hope of glory. I confess with my mouth. And I believe in my heart. And I know that I know what you want to do, God. It's my prayer this morning in this place. While nothing else has importance, that we would all search ourselves. The psalmist would say, Search me, O Lord. Try me. Know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the paths of righteousness to eternal life. God, may we be real. May we be complete in you. May we receive the truth of the word of God laid out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit telling us about Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made that we might have a relationship with the Father. May we not distort that message with anything else. And God, as we look at the landscape and we see people, sincere people, led away from the truth, believing a lie, walking toward everlasting destruction, let us not be a group sitting in a circle cutting out paper dolls, oblivious to those who are perishing around us. But may we, like Isaiah, say, Here I am, Lord. Use me.
I am yours, slave by choice forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We invite the prayer counselors to move around the room. We're going to close uh, with a, a word of worship. We invite you guys to hang out and worship with us. If there's something you'd like to pray about, something God's laid on your heart, some issues you're going through, prayer counselors want to spend some time with you and pray for you. Also, we want to encourage you and invite you to come and be a part of our koinonia, our time of fellowship together. May God bless you and go in peace.